High resolution photos are actually really, really cool. Today, we're gonna talk about how to build them, why you would build them, what you even think you would need to build them for, uh, and then talk about some of the software that you use to build these high resolution images. So stay tuned. Welcome to the Free Will Photos Podcast with Chris Scott, where I help new photographers overcome photography equipment, editing applications, and creative blocks so you can go further in your photography journey. Tune in every Monday and Friday for the most recent show. If you want to get in contact with me and ask a very specific question, send me an email at freewillphotos at gmail.com. Now let's get into today's episode. Yo, hey guys, welcome back. It is your boy Chris here at Free Will Photos. Um, as you may have noticed, I've been on a little bit of a long uh, break, um, and that's due to my father. He passed away in November, so I had to take some time to deal with some things family-wise, but I am back right here in the saddle, ready to release some new content, so uh, I'm excited to you know stay with you guys. Now, Another admin note, uh, you may have noticed that I did release an episode of a part one for a common uh, photo mistakes. I'm going to have to re-record part two because the, you know, I was subject to losing some content, uh, which is why that was not released. So I want to apologize for that, but let you know that I will get that second uh, instance or second recording part two of common, uh, photographer mistakes. But today let's focus on high resolution photos. That was the next one up in the hopper. And so we're just going to roll with it. All right. So, you know, you hear high resolution photo and you're like, okay, what the heck is a high resolution photo anyway? Well, uh, a high resolution photo, what it does is it combines a lot of data into one file. So you can get a lot of dynamic range, you can get a larger depth of field, or you just get a wider capture of the scene in front of you. Some of the common names for uh, high resolution photos would be HDR, which kind of got a bad rap because people overdid it uh, in the early 2000s. And, you know, it just looked very fake and people just did not like it. Or uh, you can use luminosity blend modes, which you're still taking two images and blending them together. Um, the difference here is what you are, you're, you're manually blending them as opposed to the HDR where you're using some sort of software with algorithm. Uh, and then one of my personal favorites, which is stacked images. If you do a lot of macro photography or something where you have a very, very narrow depth of field, no matter how far you push your aperture, um, you may end up needing to stack your images so you can get everything or a good portion of your subject in focus. Um, so that is also another high resolution photo. And then the last one would be panoramas. And I think this is one that everyone is very common with. We've seen panoramic shots. I mean, if you got an iPhone, there's a panorama mode. So if you just want to see what a panorama does, then there's a way, you know, you can just turn on your phone and go to panorama. The difference between what your phone does 
is and what would happen if you were to take the pictures in individual frames and then stitch them together uh, is your megapixel count, right? So this is why, you know, we're going to be talking about high resolution photos today. Why would you even consider building a high resolution photo. Uh, we'll start with the first method that I talked, HDR luminosity blending. So imagine this, you're out on a scene and the sun is setting. Your camera can only pick up like maybe eight to 10 stops, depending on your sensor, right? Or maybe even 12 stops of light. But in the scene, if you were to meter it out, maybe you have 24 stops of light. So it's double what your sensor could even pick up if you have one of those higher end sensors. Well, what people found out in the early 2000s is if they take bracketed exposures, one at the proper exposure, and then one uh, one exposure uh, plus one exposure up, and then minus one exposure, they can then blend these photos into one big photo in the end uh, and that's where we get HDR outside of the HDR arena uh, in more recent times uh, what we found is luminosity blending and again this is the same concept as HDR uh, just with different blend modes applied to the photo you're stacking the photos on top and then you use a luminosity mask uh, which takes the brightest values in a photo and either hides them or reveals them and vice versa. So if you have a lot of information in the shadow area, what you would do is you'd take a natural exposure and then you would take another one uh, with a higher exposure so you can really get that shadow detail that you're looking for. Your base image will be the normal, normal photo and then your luminosity blended photo would be the one with the shadow detail and all you would do is hide the the brighter values in the image and you typically mask this in as well uh, and then maybe you'll use uh, one of the uh, blend modes for lightening you know luminosity blending is a fairly new thing and it's it's really helpful if you're in a pinch um, very popular in real estate and landscape all right uh as well as hdr being popular there uh so just keep that in mind now like i mentioned before photo stacking is my favorite form of high resolution photography or a high resolution photo. This is where you take multiple images at different, uh, or all with the focal point going from the front of the subject to the back of the subject. And somewhere in this stack of photos, you will have gotten the entire subject in focus. This comes in extremely handy in macro photography when you have to stitch a series of photos together to make one seemingly uh, in sh like sharp detailed focused image. So uh, I do this a lot when I photograph jewelry, uh, especially if I'm doing a very like a what's the if I really want to show off a side of the jewelry, you know, something very special about the jewelry, then I absolutely photo stack it. Uh, I also do this sometimes when I'm photographing scenes. Now, if I want the foreground in focus, and then I want the background and focus. You may even see this uh, in landscape where people put rocks and leaves and all kinds of stuff in front of the lens. Uh, and if they want those things in focus, assuming that they're at the minimal focal focusing distance, they can take a photo 
with those elements inside of it and then lay that on top of the other photo, align the layers, and now you have this high resolution, uh, you know, everything in the frame in focus if that's what you're going for. So uh, photo stacking is another way of building a high resolution uh, photo. Now, the the last one again is panorama uh what you do here is if you are and and you can combine uh panorama with hdr or luminosity blending uh if you take bracketed shots so imagine you're on this uh mountainside and you have a pretty decent lens or this works in my opinion this works the best with a telephoto lens so uh, something that's maybe an 85 and up you turn it portrait or at least this is the way that i would do it uh, because you're going to get the most detail out of the shot uh, by going in that direction and i start on the left side of my scene and i take a picture i move over about three-fourths of the way of, of my scene and take another picture and then move over three-fourths of the way again uh, i always want to include some of the information from the previous photo or the previous framing that i took uh, because i need to give my computer software some information so that way they can stitch it together or it can stitch it together and you know i'll do this until i get my entire scene now uh, if you do handheld bracketed shots which is absolutely possible to do then what you'll end up with in the end is the ability to do some HDR panoramic shot. And those are really, really cool. Now, another way that you can do a panoramic shot, uh, if you don't have a tilt shift lens, then uh, what you can do is if you're taking portraits of someone and you want to get their full body in focus, you know, for some really edgy fashion type stuff, you take a picture of their head, you bend your knees, or you can kind of tilt your lens down, but you get like this weird distortion when you do that. You wanna kind of keep the same uh, plane for your lens. So then you, you know, you bend your knees again, including information that was in the last frame. This one, I would probably move halfway, uh, halfway down and then include you know, the bottom half of my frame on the top of my second frame and then moving all the way through until I get the full effect of what I'm going for. Now, this isn't the most flattering on people uh, because you can come out with some really strange warp, I guess. Con yeah, you can come out with some really unique stuff. So my recommendation is use this on objects more than people. But if you have a scene where, you know, maybe you're doing a lifestyle shoot of a product outdoors and you want to include the scene. So, you know, you want to make it panoramic so you can get a lot of information into the shot that could work. Um, I recommend you be at least six to 10 feet away from your, uh, from a person. If you're going to do it, uh, with a telephoto lens, use a telephoto lens about six to 10 feet away. And this will help with the weird warping stuff, right? Cause we already know that we get weird warping stuff. When you take a photo of a person up close with a wide angle lens, you can start to distort the body and make it look unnatural. You're going to amplify that should you take multiple pictures of a person up close with a tell or with a wide angle lens and then uh go down so those are some of the reasons why you would take or build this high resolution photo now how do you build a high resolution photo the truth is every application is going to be a little bit different all right and 
I can't cover every single application because I'm really only familiar with two. Uh, and that's Photoshop and on one. And I guess Lightroom, uh, you can make HDR and panoramas inside of Lightroom, uh, which is really cool. But I typically use Photoshop. That's like my go to. And then uh, very recently, I've been testing out the panorama and the HDR feature inside of on one. And, you know, just seeing how much I like it, how much I don't like it, things like that. So whatever. Um, but before you get there, uh, you need to take some images, right? Uh, and the way that you take these images is going to make a huge difference in the way that your end result comes out. So for HDR, one, make sure you have a tripod, right? Uh, if you're, if you're doing like long exposure type stuff, make sure you have a tripod. Now, if you can do it handheld, do it handheld, but just be careful on that, uh, that darker exposure, you know, or I'm sorry, that brighter exposure, not the darker one on the brighter exposure. Just make sure you pay attention to your shutter speeds because sometimes your shutter speed can get down to, you know, one third of a second. And even with all of the image stabilization that's built into these cameras and the lens, uh, one third of a second, you're probably going to get some really bad camera shake and that image won't come out as sharp as the other two. So my recommendation, use a tripod, uh, and you know, use a timer or a shutter release, take your pictures. You're going to get better results that way. Um, and that goes, you know, true with pretty much any of these, I would say, use a tripod, right? Uh, because we're going to be blending and merging these photos together. You want to make sure that you have a stable base and there's not too much variation or drifting or movement in your photos. So, uh, building an HDR photo. You have your bracketed shots, you put it into Photoshop, um, or you can use Lightroom and you merge, like there's an actual feature to merge the photos and to generate this HDR, uh, photo. Now there are a lot of third party applications as well, or other applications that are designed specifically for HDR. Uh, I believe Topaz has one, um, I know that Skylum, they have Aurora HDR uh, and, you know, but most of these photo uh, editing softwares, they have some sort of HDR feature built into it. You just choose your bracketed photos. Uh, and one of the things that you want to look out for in this is the ghosting. This is if you especially if you took pictures of water, you want to choose one base image where anything that would have moved or doesn't align properly, you want that to be your base image. So that's going to typically be your longer exposure uh, when it comes to water, because that gets the uh, more glass like or, you know, the motion. Um, I recommend, you know, you go with that if it's not overexposed. Otherwise, go with the normal exposure and you're probably going to be fine. Now, with luminosity blending, uh, this one, 
can be done a few different ways. You can luminosity blend in on one by making, uh, putting the base layer being your darker image, uh, and then putting your brighter image on top and blending those two images together using a luminosity mask. It's extremely easy in on one because as soon as you click on mask, there's a button that says lumen. You click that and then all you have to do is really adjust it to figure out what parts you want. Um, and, you know, using the paintbrush, uh, you can really just paint in where you want the the effect to pop through. And then you just stamp that as a full on layer. The concept is about the same in Photoshop. Um, a little bit more challenging to uh, blend making the mask in Photoshop with luminosity uh, because you got to use alpha channels. And if you're not familiar with alpha channels, that can become a little cumbersome. So uh, that's that's all I'll say about HDR luminosity blending. The photo stacking is actually pretty simple. Uh, the first thing you do is you you select all your images and you open up Photoshop. There's the first thing you want to do is get all your images inside of Photoshop. So you can click and drag. Uh, you want them all in the same project. So I recommend that if you're using Lightroom, you open, you select all your images, right click, open in Photoshop as layers, and that'll put them all into one thing. Or you open up Photoshop and then uh, you go to import and then you import all of those as layers however you want to do it right once they're inside of photoshop you want to align the photos first very very important that you align the photos okay um i recommend you also uh run these through camera raw if you're shooting with a raw uh file type and do the lens correction i found that when doing photo stacks, adding the lens correction typically always yields a better result. Uh, it makes, because when you try to do it in the end through camera photo raw, it just doesn't come out right because the same information isn't there. So my recommendation, open them in photo raw, sync the lens correction and, you know, do whatever basic adjustments that you want to do, but don't go overboard and don't do any cropping. Uh, one of the things that I forgot to mention when you go, when it comes to photo stacking, you want to leave lots of room. Uh, I would say about, you know, leave about half an inch or maybe, uh, yeah, about half an inch, uh, space around the frame because you're going to have to crop this photo. So if you take a really, really uh, tight frame for your focus stacked images as you're going through the range, you're going to find out that when you get it into Photoshop and you do the alignment layers, you're going to have to crop. Uh, and that may or may not, you know, make your photo. So don't look so hard for the rule of thirds composition when you are actually photographing for focus stacked images. Instead, make sure that you have enough room and wiggle room to build your composition 
the way that you would like to, you know, in accordance with the rule of thirds or the golden ratio, whatever you're using. All right. And then the last one, the panorama. Uh, I really enjoy using the panorama feature inside of Lightroom. Uh, that's almost always where I go to build my panoramas. I think it's because I enjoy the editing process that I get in Lightroom with a panorama. Uh, On one has a very good panorama feature and you know, you can use that if that's what program you're using. Um, But Lightroom and Luminar, uh, because I do, whenever I do a panoramic shot, I like to add some creative stuff to it. And I get all that creative stuff out of Luminar in their creative tab where you can add glows and ordinate effects and all kinds of stuff. Just, I like to have fun. I don't do panoramas because like, I, I, I don't even plan to ever print a panorama. Uh, but you know, we'll see instead. I just like to have fun with my panoramic shots and, uh, they're usually just something for me to really test out how to use a, the editing software and, you know, push it, to make something that I would enjoy. That's how you would build a high resolution photo. Now, does the software matter? Uh, I'm gonna say software matters based off of your workflow. It's important that you choose a software that complements your workflow because anytime you step outside of your workflow and you're not doing something that you are comfortable with, you're gonna have a hard time and you're not gonna like it and you're gonna be like, this is pointless. Uh, and you lose creativity and the whole purpose of this show is to stay inspired and keep creating. So you want to make sure that whatever you're doing, it fits inside of your workflow. So if you use Lightroom, you can do all of these things except for stacking photos in Lightroom. You got to go to, to Photoshop to do the photo stacking. Um, and I guess you can't do luminosity blending as well. There's masking for it, but you can't blend two images inside of Lightroom. So uh, you'll have to go to Photoshop for that as well. However, um, you'll be able to do all of the other things, HDR, panorama. Um, and, you know, those are if, if that's what you're doing and you never have to do a focus stack shot, then I would just stick with Lightroom. And if you have to, uh, if you have Lightroom, you're also going to have the ability to go into Photoshop because Lightroom and Photoshop come together. So you can watch some videos on YouTube, learn how to do that. And bam, you got the focus stacking and the HD or not the HDR, the luminosity blending available to you. Now, if you're an on one, you can do all three of these things, HDR, luminosity, panorama, and I'm, I'm combining HDR and luminosity into one. So HDR luminosity is one panoramas two, and then photo stacking that would be three. You can do all of those things in on one. And that's what makes on one so cool, right? Uh, And then you can also use third party plugins like Luminar, uh, or like I have the, uh, the Nick collection, and I send some of my photos off to uh, the, the, whatever the camera preset thing is that has all the uh, goofy filters. And, you know, I just play around with that. Sometimes I send a duplicate and I make crazy edits and then I just blend that opacity in with my overall edit. So there are options available for you. 
now, the other issue with software is all these companies, they make their software for them, right? A uh, little while ago, Fuji you know, uh, users, they found that Capture One, it renders the photos a lot more, uh, I, I don't want to say better, but Fuji users, they find that the colors and the base algorithm that comes in Capture One is better than Lightroom and other editing softwares. The reason I bring this up is because your base photo is going to differ. So as I mentioned before, uh, if you're using Lightroom and Photoshop, you're probably going to be fine. Those are made by the same company. Uh, however, if I'm using on one to merge a HDR or a panorama photo, and then I go into Lightroom and I do the same thing, the colors, they're just not going to come out the same because the algorithm's different. Uh, on one tends to be far less contrasty originally from the raw file than Lightroom is. Now, with Lightroom, you can also change the calibration and, you know, really fine tune your color adjustment from the raw file, which I think is cool. Uh, I still have not found a way to do that in on one just yet, but, you know, maybe I will eventually. So, yes, the software does matter. And that's why the very first note that I had for this segment is make sure it fits into your workflow because you're going to get a more consistent result based off of what you always do when you use these uh, high resolution building solutions. All right. And then just test, 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 test. It's so important that you try it out, see what happens, see if it works for you. And if it doesn't, then it doesn't like you delete the photo or, you know, you just move on to another one and it's fine. No one's going to like come beat down your door. All right. Now, I do suggest that the one you use is your main workflow. Don't use a like for me. I use primarily on one now to edit my photos. Once upon a time, I used to use Lightroom as my primary photo editor. If you are always using Lightroom and you're like, oh man, I need to photo stack something. I need to go into on one. Uh, then be very specific that you're going into on one to do the photo stack. Uh, otherwise, use Photoshop. It's going to be more. Um, it, it's going to be in your wheelhouse. And there is a limitation that I wish on one didn't have when it comes to photo stacking. You can only photo stack 15 images. So if you have more than 15 images, you're not going to be able to do that in on one. Now with Photoshop, you could photo stack, I think up to 200 images. I could be wrong on that. Maybe it's 150, but it's way more than 15. Let's just put it like that. All right. Now, the most I've ever had to stack for images was 29, uh, but I've heard of people needing to stack 50 plus images. So, you know, take that however you want, take that as, with a grain of salt. But, you know, that is my two cents on building high resolution photos.
if you are interested, I do have a YouTube channel and I highly encourage anyone who's listening to the podcast. You guys are awesome. Uh, come hang out with me on YouTube, you know, come subscribe to the channel, check it out. Uh, it is free will photos, very simple, but even simpler, I'm going to leave the link to the YouTube page in the show notes. So all you got to do is tap that and then go ahead and hit that subscribe button and you will be in the YouTube community. I got some videos lined up for 2021 and you know, we're going to, we're going to get those things uh, on a very consistent schedule because I have not been as consistent as I would like to be. Uh, but I'm going to have both on one and Lightroom photo editing tutorials uh, and maybe even some behind the scenes of how I capture uh, some of my photos. So stay tuned for that. And like always, I want you guys to stay inspired and keep creating. Peace.